0: really looks like. Remember to like and subscribe to never miss an episode and hit me up at thelovelylea.com or at thelovelylea on Instagram so we can connect. Become a Patreon supporter to get access to behind the scenes of our guests, freebies, early access to new episodes, discounts
1: on merch, and more. Yasmin Elzmar is a life and manifestation coach that specializes in relationships, helping others manifest their ideal life by teaching the importance of shadow work and facing the challenges that block us from stepping into our power. Through her coaching, Yasmin leads with integrity, showing others how to live a life full of purpose. When she was a kid, she longed to be a psychologist, learning about the human psyche, and has always been highly sensitive to other people's emotions, so she was always primed to be able to empathize and understand people's pain on a deeper level. The push, finally, to become a life and relationship coach happened after she walked out of a four-year relationship that shattered her open. It was a relationship filled with hardship and trauma, and in this transitional and difficult point in her life, she didn't know what she wanted to do or where she wanted to go. She constantly wondered why she always was attracting unhealthy relationships, which prompted her to dive deep into her own shadows and break the cycle, finally. Shortly after ending that cycle, she realized that she wanted to help other women and men to step into their power and attract healthier relationships in their lives by understanding the trauma and internal wounds. That transformational experience gave her the calling to help others connect with themselves, to heal their pain, and find their power. Processions sessions and events are all about diving into the shadows and calls those who are ready to dive deep and face their own darkness. Please welcome Yasmin to the show.
0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Spiritual Shit. I'm your host, Aliyah Lovely, and today we are talking to Yasmin Elzimar, and she's a relationship coach and talks about consciously dating, um, something that we are all (laughs) needing to get versed on. Say hi to everybody. Hi, everyone. So glad to be here today. Thank you so much for being here. So, given my own history, I have been out in the dating world um, post-divorce for about Mm. three years before I found the person I'm with now, who's uh, amazing. But beautiful, I love hearing that. (laughs) uh, As an empath, dating was actually quite tumultuous because of all of the feelings involved mm-hmm. and just being like absorbing other people's energy. Mm. Um, when you slept with someone, you could pick up on their shit. Or um, girl, <laughs> like <there's laughs> you're hitting just the spot. All kinds of stuff that would happen that did yes. not make dating feel as fun as I felt other, other people were doing it. Um, and it was very heavy emotionally for me mm-hmm. as well. Um, so in your, before we get into all all that stuff, before we get into that, um, you know, what drove you to decide that you were going to become this kind of conscious relationship coach?
2: So I've always been um, interested in doing coaching. I love, like as a kid, I used to love psychology. I wanted to do that growing up, Um, but because of social conditioning and the things, you know, I, I was always afraid of stepping into that place because, you know, my parents always said, oh, you know, psychology is not really the best, the best career, you know, be a doctor, be a lawyer. And all these things and so i was like okay like i'm gonna get into business <laughs> so that's what ended huh. up happening however um my catalyst was my previous relationship i was in a four-year uh relationship with uh, a guy that was my best friend we had known each other for seven years prior
3: mm-hmm.
2: and we got into a relationship and it was very traumatic it was very traumatic there were so many ups and downs it was a total roller coaster ride And, you know, as, as an empath, which is, you know, today I'm so excited to be talking about that. I picked up on so much and it was just so heavy. And there was so many parts of that relationship that I, I, I'm still piecing together, you know, like it still comes up for me and I'm still learning so much, but that was the catalyst. And and after the breakup, I was like, this is something that I know for a fact I'm being called to do. I am being called to help other people, both men and women, really, to step mm-hmm. into their power and to learn more about themselves so they can they can attract and manifest better partners into their lives. But first and foremost, we work on ourselves as individuals.
0: Right. And right. that
2: is my number one number one goal that I tell everyone and that is what I I live by, you know, and that's the way I I coach and I teach is I lead by integrity. And by working on myself and figuring myself out, then I can really show people like, this is what happens when you work on yourself and you, uh, you consciously date and you consciously get to know your shadows and the, and the ugly parts of yourself that you've, you've, you know, put away for so long Mm -hmm. and it comes out, you know, inevitably it comes out in relationship. That's like, that's a mirror. Um, so yeah, that was my catalyst and it was, it was honestly, it felt amazing to know that I I can help other people get to that place. Right. I got out of it myself and I felt so empowered when, when, when the breakup happened. It was almost like a relief, you know, as much as it was grieving and it was hard and it was difficult and it was such a karmic bond that I had with my ex, I I felt like, oh my God, this this was supposed to happen. This was an absolute, you know, lesson from the universe telling me like four years. It was like four years of of college. You know what I mean? That's how I see it. Yeah. And graduating from that relationship, I was like, now I know what I want and what I don't want, you know? And now Mm -hmm. I know why I attract narcissistic partners and and why I'm so, I I find emotional unavailability so attractive. You know, Mm -hmm. now I'm able to look at that and be like, whoa, 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 hold up. Like I need to, I need to really look at this and figure out what's going on here. Wow. And yeah that was my that was my catalyst, and there were so many parts and pieces I could you know talk all, all day about my my relationship, but there was just so much that that was involved and um after after getting out of that, I was like this this is it, this is my life purpose yeah. and it felt right.
0: That is how a lot of people come to terms with what it is that they feel like their mission is
2: mm-hmm.
3: <laughs> to come yeah, out
0: yeah. of that space of like, like what it. it is that they've had to go through and heal through in order to arrive totally. at that conclusion. So that's wonderful. Um, so you already kind of like, I love how you kind of outlined already what it is we're going to talk about. <laughs> um, but my, I guess my first question would be is particularly for empaths, but guys listening, Um, I deeply believe that everybody's an empath to some degree. Mm -hmm. I just think that like we've all been kind of conditioned out of it. So like this can apply to anyone, but particularly for empaths, what does it mean to date consciously?
2: So for me, dating consciously means, um, being aware of what you're feeling when you are in connection with somebody else. So, and being aware of your own shadows and the things that, um, you 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 have like your internal world basically it's just kind of being in touch with that because when you're in touch with that then you can actually date someone and figure out what is it that i want from this person like where do i want to go with this relationship mm-hmm. you know what is my goal with this person um what's my purpose here with with this with this specific relationship so dating consciously means just being aware of your own shit and in turn being aware of other people's shit as well.
0: <laughs> yeah. I think a lot of people have the misconception that you have to be perfect and healed mm-hmm. before you can start dating. And yeah. I'm, I'm not in that camp. I don't believe that's true. Um, but I do think no. that there is some aspect of being conscious and being aware when you're entering in this relationship of what is the, like you said, what's the purpose why am I here? What am I exactly. doing this for? Is it for attention? Is it for mm. connection? Is this for mm-hmm. a deeper relationship? Is it because I'm bored?
2: Yes. Um,
0: which I had to take some inventory of that when I was dating and I was like, uh, a lot of this was like out of validation totally. because I was still in a lot of pain. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But right. yeah, Um, that can be, that, that can be difficult. So for, for you, what do you normally see in your uh, practice and with your clients? with the, the largest challenges that happen for impasse and relationships? So
2: something I notice um, in my practice, and I, I noticed this specifically in women, I mean, it applies to both men and women, but I noticed that women, because we're so intuitive and we're so in tune with our feelings and our emotions, um, we tend to pick up so much on like body language cues and You know, just things that our partner says and I, this I can completely relate with because I feel this in my relationship now that I'm in and I felt this with my ex as well, is no matter how far away I am from that person, whether it's on the phone, whether we're FaceTiming or in person, we're just hanging out, I pick up on a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I know things that that person's not telling me. And mm-hmm. I notice that in my practice as well as like these women come to me and they're like, yeah, like something feels really off. Like, you know, my, my partner's telling me this, but it just feels like that's not the case. And I don't want to be paranoid and I don't want to feel this way. And I'm like, okay, so let's just drop into that feeling. Like, what is it that is hap, what's happening for you in your heart? You know, what is it that you are, you are, um, catching on to? What are you feeling from your partner in that moment? Mm-hmm. So I noticed that that, <clears throat> excuse me, I noticed that that's, um, that's an issue that comes up a lot is women don't have that boundary mm-hmm. of they don't know what's theirs and they don't know what's their partner's. Mm-hmm. And they get really confused and it gets all mixed up. And then it's just, you know, they, they come to me and they're like, I need help trying to figure out um, if I'm right, if I'm wrong, you know, and they get into their heads about it. I noticed that mm-hmm. and I, I do the same. We get into our heads about, am I right? Am I wrong? Is this me? Is it my partner? So that's something that I notice a lot of. Mm-hmm. And I find that to be really interesting.
0: I do too. Cause I think that like, particularly for empaths too, like we have mm. that, that already clair sentient aspect to ourselves. Everybody yeah. has it, but to d- different degrees, particularly yeah. women, because we haven't had that emotionality suppressed from a really young age.
3: Mm-hmm. And so
0: right. picking up on our partner's shit, um, that's something I'm very present with because that was something that was like, okay, I, could, when, before he got home, I could feel if he had a bad day or not.
2: Yeah. Uh-huh. And
0: when I was particularly, when I was dating, um, I would be with a guy and I'm like, I know this fucker is lying, like, you know, and you just hear <laughs> that energy. And I'm like, but I would question myself because yeah. I had a lifetime of being gaslit and saying like, mm-hmm. you're too sensitive or, you yeah. know, you're overthinking this or you're overanalyzing. I'm like, I just know. Oh, I love that. You said not that right here.
2: Yeah. And I love that you said that because that right there is exactly why we question ourselves Mm -hmm. because we, especially as empaths, usually what happens is that narcissist empath uh, relationship, you know, that at one point we dated someone who was more on the narcissistic end Mm -hmm. and, you know, we get gaslit Mm
3: -hmm. and
2: we gas, we gaslight ourselves. We end up gaslighting ourselves and we end up questioning like, is is it, you know, am I just being too emotional? Just, am I being too sensitive? What, what's going on here? Or is this person actually bullshitting me? You yeah. know, like now you start to question that. And that absolutely is something that I, I, I notice and women come to me for that specific reason is I don't know if they're lying or not. Right. I don't know
0: how I could tell, you know? Yeah. Now you said the N-word, which is narcissist, guys. <laughs> 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 uh, I went there, <laughs> we went there. Um, and the narcissist. So right now it's particularly, there's so much information about narcissists. I know like a really, like a buzzword. Like a, yeah.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: And
0: people have been like super like, Oh my God, everybody, you know, everyone is a narcissist. Like beware. Everyone's a narcissist. Right. Yeah. And so like, it's interesting. Like, so first of all, can you break down what a narcissist is? And then can you break down why is it that it is such a perfect storm that empaths and narcissists always seem to collide?
2: So I I look at it from such an interesting perspective because um, a narcissist is someone who who has this idea, like this grandiose idea of themselves, of I don't need help, I'm perfect, I'm fine the way I am. It's someone that I I noticed in my past with the people that I've dated, someone who's not really willing to be, to grow or to be conscious of their own shadows. Um, and I, you know, like I feel like that relationship, the empath and narcissist is so perfect because it's polar opposites. It's almost like yeah. it's a magnet. You know what I mean? It's yeah. so it's so sexy because a narcissist is so emotionally unavailable and the empath is too available. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so so it's two completely polar opposites. And it that right there is that that attraction, that con, that karmic contract. If you want to get into like karmic relationships, it's that karmic contract of like uh, you know, it, it's, a, it's, it's really a lesson. I see it as such a lesson because it's teaching an empath how to have boundaries. Yeah. It's teaching an e- empath how to be like, whoa, this is not cool with me. This doesn't feel right. And it's, you know, I can only hope it teaches the narcissist to to open up more to themselves and to try to grow consciously and try to really get in touch with themselves and who they are and, you know, what it is that they're, that they're also looking for and to get yeah. that, you know, help. Because, yeah. well, listen, we all need help empaths, narcissists, we all need help. Like we're not, no one's perfect. Um, and we, just like you said, everyone's an empath to a certain degree. I also believe that we all have narcissistic tendencies. Yeah. You know, it just, it's a, it's a spectrum. So everything exists on the spectrum. That's Um, a very
0: important point to make because mm, just because someone is narcissistic doesn't mean it's necessarily diagnosable as narcissistic personality disorder. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's actually called antisocial personality disorder, I believe.
2: Yes, it is. you're right. yeah, no, you're so right. absolutely. That's exactly it. it's it's really it, its it just means that we all have tendencies to be uh, narcissistic. We all have the ability to go there, but that doesn't mean that we're going to be diagnosed as that. So right. I completely agree.
0: Right. Now you kind of said something about it teaches the empath how to set boundaries. Mm-hmm. I think this is really important in conscious dating for people who are spiritually inclined because mm-hmm. those of us who are empaths and those of us who are on the spiritual journey often find ourselves in the helper role. Yeah, And then we want to kind of help people heal. We want to help people. Mm-hmm. How can I, you know, be of help, particularly people who are, um, I would say even more psychically empathic have yeah. had a lot of training from their childhood about how to anticipate the needs of others. Um, right. There are, I mean, there's a lot of like uh, information on how has someone become empathic or what's the origin of empathicness in the first place? You know, even like five years ago, this wasn't a term that a lot of people knew. Right, and right. I'm so thankful for that. Like that it's like become more like mainstream because it's something that people were like, Oh, that's not a thing. Like, you know, you're sensitive or you're sentient or yeah. whatever. If there's like, this idea that you're not, you don't actually feel what you feel, essentially. Mm -hmm. So We were always called when we're younger, like we're too sensitive or you cry too much or not what happened (laughs) or that's not actually like, you know, and so we've learned how to anticipate the other people's needs, who we feel we needed to earn their love from. So I recognize in my clientele that loads and loads and loads of my empathic clients had a a non-present or emotionally unavailable parent and Mm -hmm. that they, that they crave their love from. So they would learn how to incite. They'd learn how to anticipate those person's needs and their moods in order to be able to make and foster a better connection because they needed to prove to be loved. So what are ways in which you find empaths have a difficulty in setting boundaries and what are ways that they can do better? So
2: I feel like empaths can do, I'm going to start
0: with empaths. Empaths can definitely
2: do better. Um, by checking in with themselves and checking in with what they feel and trusting themselves. I think it all comes down to self-trust. Mm-hmm. Um, like you said, when we grow up with a narcissistic parent, we don't necessarily learn to do that. And we're not taught that anyway, as, as time goes on, we get into, we start to attract narcissistic partners and it just keeps happening. The cycle keeps happening because we're not breaking it.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, Cause we're not, again, we're not checking in w- with ourselves. We're not trying to, we're not trusting ourselves. We're not learning more about why, why is it that I feel this way? You know, why did I feel this way when this person said this? You know, what, what in my body made me feel weird about that? And personally speaking for me, when I start to feel like I'm being gaslit or I start to feel like something doesn't feel right, I feel it in my, in my chest. You know, I start to feel like a tingle in my chest and it, and it's like, it's almost like my heart skips a beat.
3: Mm-hmm. You know,
2: it's like telling me like, no, this doesn't feel right. And it also comes up physically in sex as well. When your body shuts off, you know, there's something there that you're not trusting. So I think empaths can absolutely do better in learning to trust themselves and really learning to to go with whatever that feeling is telling them because your intuition will always take you on the right path. It's never gonna lead you in the wrong direction. Mm -hmm. And I know it's easier said than done. (laughs) You know, I still struggle with like following my intuition and like really going with it because logic trumps it sometimes. Mm -hmm. And again, we've learned to allow intellect and logic to override the feelings that we get.
3: Mm
2: -hmm. Um, But I think that that's an important part, as well as the setting boundaries is learning how to stand up for ourselves and understanding that just because we set a boundary with someone doesn't mean that we will not be worthy of love. Mm Mm-hmm you know, because I think the the fear of setting a boundary comes from, I am not going to be validated or this person's going to abandon me. Mm, And of course, again, we go back to abandonment issues, abandonment wounds and all that stuff that we might've felt in childhood or we might've felt with an ex-partner.
0: Right. Because there's a neurological response that happens to that fear Mm -hmm. of rejection if we're not, if we have to set a boundary and that displeases the other party
2: yes. And people, the people pleaser comes out and is like, mm-hmm. Oh my God, no, I cannot do this because you're going to hate me.
0: Yeah. You know,
2: that's the first thought you get is you're going to leave me. You're going to abandon me. You're going to hate me. I'm never going to find anyone. And then you mm-hmm. spiral into this place of negativity and, and pain. And nobody wants to feel that. Nobody wants to feel that pain.
0: Right. But so this is the result of yeah. not setting good boundaries.
2: Yes, exactly. This is the result of not setting good boundaries. And it, it's, you know, again, it's, it's difficult. It's challenging. It's simple, but it's not easy. You Mm -hmm. know, it sounds very simple, but it's certainly uh, a work in progress. And, um, we can always set better boundaries. We can always learn to assertively communicate. I think learning how to, how to actually communicate it is another big piece. Right. And knowing how to uh, approach the subject and let the person know like, this does not feel right to me and I don't need to justify it it just yeah. doesn't just doesn't sit right with me. You know, I, I think that's I another
0: thing on your, yeah. in your Instagram where you said no as a complete sentence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> like I feel like so for those it of is. us who are empathic, it doesn't have to be just empaths, but I have to speak as an empath that there is yeah. a thing that we tend to do, particularly when we're like not setting good boundaries and we're afraid of, we're, we're going to be accused of something we didn't do. When someone kind of mm-hmm. says that like our intentions, like when it comes to something about our intentions, right, we will mm-hmm. overexplain. explain yeah, that hell out of ourselves and particularly when we have to set boundaries too um like we will over explain ourselves if this is why and this is and i'm like you don't have to do all that it's but it's a yeah. people pleaser inside of us that makes us mm. feel like we have to explain so that way the other person doesn't hurt or the other person yeah. doesn't misconstrue our intentions
2: or that we feel understood right you know, because that's another thing is we want to, we don't want to feel misunderstood. You know, no one does, but yeah, we, we try to overdo it by, you know, saying, oh, it's because of this and this and this and this. And, you know, and I I normally find myself doing that when I set a boundary, I'm like, oh, but it's because of this and this and this. And people are like, it's okay. That's it. That's all you had to say was no. (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) And then I'm like, yeah, good point.
0: (laughs) There's so much power in that because I do know for myself that, I feel the disappointment of others when I have to say yeah. no and yeah. to avoid their disappointment and feeling that in my body, I'll maybe roll around it so that way I don't have to feel pain of them feeling rejected. And oh, girl, yes. it's a massive connection to make because when I started to realize that I said, oh, I start feeling bad for them. I start empathically picking up on their feelings of rejection and abandonment and then having to do things that don't feel right for me in mm-hmm. order to remedy the work they haven't done. (laughs) Yes, (laughs) exactly. Like how they feel about something. So just to give you an example, um, you know, I had someone ask to be on the podcast and I'm Mm -hmm. not taking any more, um, at this moment or whatever. So, um, just to tell someone that like, it's like, we already have. we're, we're like, we're stacked three months out, which is wonderful problem to have, but Mm -hmm. just to even have to say that I felt guilty. And right. like, Oh, you know, I feel bad. Like they're like, ugh, you know, and having that like drop, maybe I could fit them in here or something yeah. or whatever. And like, no, no, no. Period. <laughs> no. <laughs> period. No, no, not exactly. to say that in a, in an arrogant kind of way, but see, I even had to explain myself just now. Exactly. Exactly. Like, calendar is already packed. So right. it just, like to even have to explain that is like that that portion of feeling like i don't want my intentions to be misunderstood i want to be yeah. understood and it's my bid for yeah. wanting to be loved still
2: mm-hmm. exactly and i love what you said before about um feeling like almost responsible for what the other person feels and it's amazing yeah. you said that cuz today this morning i felt called to post uh post that quote on my other account my coaching account mm-hmm. and i literally wrote you are not responsible for what other people feel
3: <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: yeah. So it was like perfect timing that you said that. Yeah. And that's exactly it. Cause that's, that's one of the issues that, that empaths feel in general is we pick up on, oh, the other person didn't receive this well. Yeah. And then we start doubting the boundary. We start overthinking mm-hmm. it and we get into our heads. We forget about what our heart is telling us and we get into our heads and we're like, okay, maybe I shouldn't have said this. Right. Or maybe, you know, maybe I'm being too harsh or maybe, you know, maybe this person is right and I'm wrong. Mm -hmm. and we start battling you know our intuition starts battling with intellect Mm -hmm. yeah and then we get stuck you know we're we're in this place of like i don't have clarity i don't know what to do
0: right and that causes anxiety
2: yes absolutely
0: That causes a lot lot of paths are highly anxious
2: (laughs) yes exactly and then we can't trust ourselves then we then we don't know when to trust ourselves
0: right right so let's switch gears here for a second Um, when we talk about setting boundaries and people who do not set good boundaries are often codependent.
3: Mm.
0: So Mm -hmm. what would you say, first of all, give the definition of what codependency is and what it looks like and then how, why, I guess, why is it super vital to set boundaries? Why is codependency not a good thing for empaths or anyone for that matter in relationship?
2: Yeah. So to me, codependency is, um, Pretty much taking on the role of the other person. It's it's taking on both roles, your role and the other role of, of your partner, um, and that comes out as the fixer of the relationship, the doer, the 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 one that overgives and overdoes. Um, so, codependency is yeah, that's a that's a big one. That's a big topic because it comes out. I find that it comes out in so many ways. Um, when I talk to clients about it and, you know, sometimes they, they're in a relationship where, um, their partners are addicts in one way or another, and they feel the need to have to fix their partner. They feel the need to have to yeah. tell their partner, like, I-, I want, I want to change you. And it's all, it's a, it's a sense of control. Codependency mm-hmm. is a sense of control at the end of the day, because we're trying to change someone and mold them into what we want them to be, which yeah. we, when we think about it, it's also not fair. You know, because when we get into a relationship, we both want to be um, understood. Both parties want to be understood as they are. No one wants to be changed.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: At the core of who you are, you don't want to be changed. You know, it's like we can change. We can we can allow ourselves to change, like little habits here and there that might not be beneficial to the partnership. Um, and we can set boundaries and understand those boundaries. But when we are asked to change the core of who we are, or we're asked to do something that's like really big you know, like stopping alcoholism or stopping like, uh, an addiction from one day to the next, that's, that's difficult. And then the the person who is carrying that pain and that the codependency is the one that's like really trying to stop that from happening.
3: Yeah. But sometimes yeah.
2: the other person doesn't want to, doesn't want to do anything about it, you know? So right. we also have to allow that space to be like, okay, you're in a space where you might not be ready to change or grow. And that's cool. Yeah. But I'm, but I'm leaving, you know?
0: it's feeling that responsibility for the other person's problems. Absolutely. And taking Absolutely. them as our own.
2: Yeah. Carrying the burden.
0: Right. Which means that you're not setting any boundaries and that's like, you're bordering on the the line of enmeshment at that point.
2: Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Exactly. Absolutely. And that come that happens a lot. My clients come in with that, like almost every time <laughs> that's very common.
0: Yeah. So what, in what ways can people be cognizant of what they're doing that may be showing codependent traits and how can they get out of doing that?
2: So with that, I believe that, uh, like to me, codependency is a shadow. Um, that is something that you learn, of course, from childhood and you felt responsible as a kid to care for um, your 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 parents and and the dynamic like your parent your, your parents' relationship dynamic or whatever the case is but you felt that responsibility and you felt like you have to take on the role of the caregiver and the fixer. Mm-hmm. Um so that to me is inner child healing mm-hmm. and I noticed that in my practice and with myself too I do a lot of that work. I do a lot of inner inner child healing and I noticed that, that really helps to shift the way I look at, um, codependency, you Mm -hmm. know, and, and for example, in my relationship now, um, in the beginning of the relationship, I kind of got into that space of this is something I always do in every relationship. I begin to put on the other person because I'm so into personal growth. I begin to put onto the other person that they also have to be into personal Mm -hmm. growth. You know, so then I start to send them books and send them articles and send them the podcast and like help them grow. And it's like, oh, look at this and look at this. You know, it's kind of like, like just like sliding it in their DM of like, Mm -hmm. you know, you should, you know, (laughs) you should just read this and, and, and learn how to do this and learn and learn how to set boundaries and do that. And, you know, at the end of the day, it's like, yeah, you can help your partner, but when it's coming from a place of you wanting to change who they are and Mm -hmm. fix that about them, um, it's not. It's not going to end pretty because you're going to feel resentful. Yeah, and you're going to feel like you're overgiving and you're overdoing, and then you're going to use that as a scoreboard of, but I do this and I do that, and I've given this to you, and I'm trying to help you, and it's like, but no one's asking for that. You know, like it's you were going H out of score. your way. Yeah.
0: Because it is is us wanting to help and wanting to fix and feeling that, that necessity, but there is some element of control there, right? Mm -hmm. Because if we put them in that dynamic, that they're the ones who need help then we're the ones who know everything.
2: Yes. There's an
0: ego aspect to that. Absolutely. Absolutely.
2: Absolutely. Yes. There's an ego aspect. And we're also not allowing the person to meet us at that place, Mm -hmm. to meet us halfway, you know, now we're doing all the work for them and we don't know if this person's right for us when
0: we do that. Ooh, you know, so that's big that. Okay. So what just came (laughs) to me, I just, I get these bubbles that come to me during podcasts, but like, um, what I heard was like the woman who, uh, essentially tries to get married without the groom. Yeah. And like mm-hmm. before you're even engaged, before, you know, she's, she's trying to push things in that direction. So how can I get him healed faster? <laughs> how can I get him to do <laughs> his, his dream job faster? Yeah. How can I be the support system to make him into this man that I want? Mm-hmm. The man that I see him being. The potential. and yeah. Exactly. And on the timeline that I want it. And it's like, yes. uh-uh, no, nope. uh-uh. you will find that you're doing all those, this work. And one, depending on the person that you're with, either somebody's going to become resentful of you because they're like, yeah. you don't like me who I am. You don't yeah. like me do things on my own. Or they're going to see that narcissists love that uh-huh. because they get the attention that they want. They get that. Yeah. So if you don't want to attract a narcissist, don't do that shit. Yes. Because oh my God. girl. It's yes. like, <laughs> like the get over giving when someone sees that someone doesn't value themselves, that they have to keep giving in order oh, to right. solidify their val their value, narcissists smell that shit from a mile away Mm -hmm. and from 10 miles, 13 billion miles away. They're like, okay, mm, that smells good. So
2: cause it's validation.
0: Exactly. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And needing someone to do that for them, they understand that the relationship that someone who's having to, who doesn't value themselves very much will, will, will proceed into those codependent type of behaviors to win someone over.
2: Yes, absolutely.
0: And if you believe in your value, you wouldn't need to win someone. Prove it.
2: Right. Yeah. You wouldn't need to prove it. Exactly. And when we do that, we're, we're trying to prove to someone like I'm good enough and I'm helping you and I'm doing this. I, I, I feel needed right now. And I think that's, that's one of the things with a codependent person is you do all these things because you want to feel needed to you feeling needed equals feeling loved. Right. So I, again, like I, I get that and I've gone through that moment. Uh, in my past, even with like growing up as a as a kid, I do remember, um, you know, just feeling like, oh, if if they need me, then then I'm worthy, right? And that's where my worth comes from. And so okay. that's what a lot of women and just people in general, you know, get yeah. into that Men do spiral. Too. Men sure. do too. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And they get into that spiral of like, I want to give and I want to do, but it's not coming from a place of actually wanting to do it. It's coming from a place of I want to be loved and I want to be worthy.
0: Mm-hmm. And sometimes it comes from, I mean, it comes from that place for definitely from the early ages, but sometimes you, that is just how you identify now. Yeah. Like you've gotten used to, this is the type of behavior and this is who I am. I'm the helper. And mm-hmm. like, whenever there's a fire, like yeah. it's very, it's, it, it's almost tempting in a way, mm-hmm. like to answer those fires. It's like, okay, I feel needed. Ne- being needed feels good because yeah. I wait that to love. And in reality, people are just using you a lot of times and taking advantage of how much you have to give because you haven't set good boundaries for yourself.
2: Yes, exactly. Exactly. And that's, that's important because we also, you know, again, we want to make sure that the person we are attracting into our life is the person we truly want to be with. We're not, we're not trying to attract that person to fix them. Right. you know, cause then what's the fun in that? You know, you're not, then, then you're not being your own person and the other person's not being their own person. Now right. you're just, you know, it's just so enmeshed and you're not seeing them for what they are.
0: Mm-hmm. Right. You're, you're Maybe kind of, from- you're
2: kind of hiding that, you know, that that's not the person. So then that's why you start to get into that place of fixing and doing.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Insecurity. Yeah. So let's look at it from the other side. Mm-hmm. Um, so if someone, okay. Oh, codependent behavior. And the right. way that they essentially are always kind of trying to anticipate the other person's needs. How does it work in the opposite when we are projecting our issues onto others? Instead mm. of like taking responsibility for someone else's stuff, how are we projecting our issues onto other people and how to re- receive that?
2: Oh, right. That's a, that's a really good perspective. I um, think Sometimes I don't, I love that. I actually like sometimes don't think about that, but you're right. That is that's a big that's a big deal because we we don't even we don't even realize that we are projecting mm-hmm. you know our own shit onto other people and we're the thing is we're constantly projecting yeah um we just don't again we subconsciously do it and we don't know why we're doing it so tunnel vision mm-hmm. um and that's why I'm such a big fan of of trauma and shadow work because when we can get into that space of figuring out our shit Mm -hmm. that projecting onto people isn't going to be such a big thing anymore. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, you're, you're going to learn to know, Oh, okay. This is a projection. Like right right now I know for a fact, like this isn't, this isn't a, this is a me thing.
0: (laughs) (laughs) This is something I have to look at.
2: Yeah. So a projection is, um, it's, it's what you hold internally and you're just kind of placing it on the other person. Mm -hmm. you're placing you're making the other person responsible for your shit Mm
3: -hmm.
2: that's basically what it is in my in my um opinion that's what it is um so yeah it it really like projection is taking responsibility for your own shit and knowing like okay well I know that this is something that I this is internal this is a me thing and it's something I have to look at um and I I can't I can't put that on the other person you know Mm -hmm. I also have to be conscious of that Mm -hmm. and aware when I am doing that
0: right now you have a quote on your site that said um, how loved or unloved we feel as children deeply affects the formation of our self-esteem and Mm self-acceptance and that stood out to me um, just because it's like oh yeah like the inner child work shit that we need to look at Um, but the way that we form our self-esteem and self-acceptance, how does that play a role? And like, let's say unloved, let's go there. Um, us feeling unloved, those of us who felt like we did not have enough love as a child and, or we Mm -hmm. had a parent, one parent who was deficient in that or unavailable unavailable in that in some kind of way. Um, how does that affect how we view love as a resource? Mm. We, I feel like we start
2: to, when that happens, we start to, um, we don't look at love from a genuine place, Mm uh, because we're, again, we're constantly, we didn't see that growing up. So we don't really have the definition. We, we define it differently. Uh, we don't have the definition of love as something that comes from a place of, um, you know, a good intention or a place of uh, being genuine. Instead, we look at it as, for example, if we're people pleasers, you know, like, we think that that's love. Yeah, Yeah. we think that's love because that's, maybe we had a parent that was a people pleaser and we learned that by, again, over giving and overdoing, we we receive love. So what happens is we think that that's love. We think that that's, that's how we can give love to another person. But it's not coming from a place of actual love because we're going to expect something in return.
0: Ooh. You know, with people that, pleasing. Yeah. <laughs> expecting yeah. something in return.
2: Uh-huh.
0: And this yeah. is like when we talk about in this in terms of energy, this is an energy exchange. Yeah. So we are putting in the work because we feel that on an obligation level, yeah. it's obligatory for them to love us back.
3: Yes. So we can win exactly. and
0: earn their love by performing all these tasks and helping them get their dream job. And oh, don't yeah. worry, I'll buy my own wedding ring and, you know, yeah, like, uh-huh. all the things that would make their life easier because we believe that in this obligation exchange, that that will then secure someone's attachment to us. Exactly.
2: Beautifully that, said. Beautifully said.
0: That is a problem.
2: <laughs> uh-huh. Oh, that, that just hit me. Like, I just felt <laughs> uh, <laughs> like electricity run through my body in, in this moment. Like, that hit me. Oh, my God. You're right. Yeah. And it's, you know, and again, we don't realize that because we unconsciously do it. We've learned right. this. And we don't, you know, sometimes we don't take the time to even think about what's my intention when it comes to giving. Mm-hmm you know, and like kind of taking a What's pause. What's my
0: intention if, when it comes yeah. to giving? Sit on that, yeah. guys. Like who you're yeah. listening What is my intention when it comes to giving? Go ahead. Yeah,
2: exactly. What is my intention when it comes to giving? Like, why am I giving in the first place? Like, is it to receive something or is it because I actually just want to give? Like there is no expectation.
3: Mm-hmm. And
2: when there's no expectation, that's beautiful because that's where the bond grows. That's right. where that's where the energy flows. You know, you start to feel like this is real love, is being able to give without having to think like without having a scoreboard or without having to say, "Oh, but I gave you this." So now let me
0: clarify. Give me
2: this yeah,
0: let me clarify to our listeners, just that doesn't mean be a pushover and bend no. over and just give freely of yourself without making sure that exactly. you exactly deserve Absolutely. some type yeah. of exchange, but like exactly. yeah, go ahead, Sorry, I just wanted yeah. to get clarification.
2: No, I love that because yeah, it gets, it gets mixed up. It's like, oh, sh- which one should I do? <laughs>
0: you know, but right.
2: you're right. Yeah. It's, it's also, you know, setting boundaries is spiritual, mm-hmm. you know, and I love to say that. And I, I told one of my best friends that the other day, cause she was struggling mm-hmm. with that. And I'm like, girl, setting boundaries is spiritual. It is important to, to, you know, assertively communicate your needs and what it is that you want. Mm-hmm. But again, when you are in that space of giving, make sure that you're doing it from a place of love and appreciation that you're not doing it from a place of like yeah now you got to give me this in return right cuz now it's just a game
0: exactly and then you will do this tit for tat and there's a scoreboard oh yeah particularly in relationship like oh. there's something very it's very interesting so um for people who are givers natural yeah. givers and or had been conditioned to be givers um mm-hmm. there's a there's a spectrum of giving that is on the good and then the mm-hmm. negative side. Like when you give too yeah. much of yourself and you have no boundary, but when exactly. you're in a relationship with someone who's another giver, it's very interesting to see the dynamic. Cause this is my first relationship being in a relationship with another giver uh-huh. and me and him just give, 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 yeah. give <laughs> without really like a lot of expectation in return. Right. But like, because we're both giving, it feels so fulfill- fulfilling, fulfilling, mm, but right. I've been in most relationships, other relationships that I've had, I've been a giver and I've been with takers. Right. And yeah. No problem. Just soaking in all my goodness. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Not giving and I was depleted at the end, you know, yeah. and I had no energy for myself. So yeah, setting boundaries is incredibly spiritual. Yeah.
2: Incredibly. Absolutely.
0: Now yeah, we to need to have to that. sorry? I said we need to have that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um so now I want to get into and I talked about this briefly on one of my other podcasts, but yeah. you seem to know a lot about attachment styles. Mm, yep. And I love that. <laughs> let's like, you know what? I'm not even going to ask a question. I just want you to like riff off of like what those are and like how they play out in our relationships.
2: Yeah. So our attachment style is our blueprint. You know, it's what we saw growing up. Um, and it not necessarily, again, it's not necessarily, uh, formed in childhood, but it can be formed heavily in, in past relationships as well. Um, but usually the root is, uh, your parents and your caregivers. So atta- I love talking about attachment styles because this is literally the, like, this has helped me so much figure out why I act the way I do and why I attract certain partners. And there's three, there's three main styles and we have the secure, we have the avoidant and we have the anxious.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: I obviously am more on the anxious side.
3: <laughs> so why you say obvious?
2: Is- <laughs> we don't know you <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> I already assume you guys know me it's so funny um yeah well because, girl because I'm always like yeah I'm so I'm like always so anxious that's a narrative though that right. I hold on to yeah I know that I have to absolutely work on but um th- those three those three are the main styles and um the anxious and the avoidant right are it's it, that the avoidant person is not always a narcissist, but they very they very much are emotionally unavailable, mm-hmm. and the anxious is very emotionally available. so of course, again, we come back to that um, that magnet, that magnetic bond where you can't get enough of the avoidant because you are giving, 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 and that's what makes you feel loved is being able to give and the avoidant loves the anxious because the avoidant is like they're looking for me. They want to give to me. Mm -hmm. They want to chase me, you know, and I feel validated and loved by that. So then they both come together and they both feel that love, but it's so traumatic and it's so such a roller coaster ride. Um, and that doesn't mean it can't work. It absolutely can. But again, both people have to do the work to get to a more secure place individually. Right. So the relationship can be in a secure place. Um, and the person, the, the secure attachment style is not, again, they're not perfect. They obviously have their, um, their, their anxious moments. They can have their avoidant moments, but for the most part, they know how to get to a place of, uh, self-assurance and they know how to get to a place of, I'm okay. If this person, if this relationship doesn't work out, it's not going to destroy me, right? It's going to hurt and I'm going to grieve, but it's not going to destroy me. Whereas an anxious would be like, I don't know what to do without this person.
0: Yeah. I'm going to die.
2: Yes, that. exactly. It's very, it's very to the, to the other extent of dramatic. It's very, Oh my God, I cannot lose you. No matter how unhealthy this is, I need to be with you. Yeah, And the avoidant is of, is of course, uh, opposite of that. It's mm-hmm. uh, you know, I don't, I, I don't, yeah, I don't need anyone. I I'm
0: independent. I'm self-sufficient
2: mm-hmm. yeah. Too self-sufficient,
0: <laughs> which is just a mask. Cause it's just trying to protect themselves from getting hurt and being exactly. vulnerable in the first place and that anxious one uh, like i'm i i took a test mm. recently and i am more secure attached than i am mm. anxious or avoidant now yeah um right. but i have more anxious than i do avoidant for sure i'm not one that ignores i'm like yeah. i'm over explaining yeah. i'm the, you know yeah 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 same um, but i took that test maybe a year ago and i was like avoid or like sorry uh anxiously attached like a 100 almost hundred percent oh
2: wow yeah it I, shifts it shifts it shifts, shifts and getting to it, it depends that. also on who you're dating in the moment. It does, it yeah.
0: absolutely does, because you won't be so anxiously attached to someone who you know you're affirmed and yeah. validated if by. Um, mm-hmm. Right, you know that they're not going anywhere, um, right. but particularly in uh, dating, I just realized I say particularly a lot. <laughs> that funny. Um, in in dating like we're like we're ghosting is a big thing yeah. and we're like you're trying to like navigate the politics of like should I sleep with him should I not sleep with him like he's right. you know, gonna call right. or you know whatever there's so much anxious energy there for the for the female at least I can speak for the feminine uh aspect um yeah. not even female Absolutely. sorry like this right. is a little non-binary here but I'm I'm at feminine yeah. energetic feminine. Like, mm-hmm. right so I'm a more feminine energetic leaned. And so, um, there would be all this kind of like, I remember even like with my current partner, um, he, we met on Bumble and he yeah. said afterwards we had this four hour date and it was really amazing. And then afterwards I went to look back on Bumble to our messages or whatever, cause I just kind of go back through the profile and I saw that he deleted me and I was like, oh. Oh my God! He's yeah. gonna like ghost. this day didn't go well. And I started freak. I had started having a pan, a real panic. Oh my response. God! You spiraled. Um, yeah. Yes. And neural- and it's funny because consciously I didn't. I, my in my conscious mind I was like whatever, it's fine. Whatever. Surrender <laughs> to the universe. It's okay. But in my neurological, like mm-hmm. in the imprint, in the way that my body works. Yeah. Like, <gasps> you know, like I had panic for at least you know. Ten minutes before I was mm-hmm. like, "Okay, talk myself off the ledge," and I thought, "Wow, that's that's so strong." When in reality, what happened was is that he says, "I met you," and I, I didn't want to meet anybody else, so I deleted the app. And I was like, <laughs> "What was I
2: freaking out?" About? <laughs> that's so funny. Yeah, except for that, isn't that great that you get to learn about yourself when those right. things happen? You know, but those like narratives
0: I, are really strong.
2: Yeah, yeah, those narratives are super strong because we hold on to them, and we, you know, when we um, attract people that fulfill that narrative, that I prove it to us, you know, then we're like, Oh, there we go. See, I was right. This right. is evidence, Right. you know, and it's not, that's not the case. It's just, you have not uh, rewired it. So you're going to attract it.
0: Right. Which will rewire them. Yes. A lot of people who are going through a lot of inconsistency, um, mm-hmm. will most likely have, I wouldn't, sorry, I can't say that. i most likely have, yeah. I would say, um, if the inconsistency, particularly with dating today, is yeah. like that there is no there's no obligation to mm-hmm. one be honest. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um,
3: yeah. Yeah yeah totally. but to
0: to have to have that conversation of saying no or the conversation of saying this isn't right for me. Let's move forward um or yeah. move away from this or you know whatever. Like people don't want the accountability of having to actually say how they're feeling and yes. they like ghost. <laughs>
2: Yes, exactly. Um, Cause it's scary to express yourself,
0: right? But like for me, I feel like so I, I was super direct. I would just say it up front and say, "Actually, this isn't like doesn't feel good for me." But that's kind of I think that's rare as an empath anyway. Because you you anticipate the feelings, and so we're like, "I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings." But mm-hmm. at some point, I was like, "I'm hurting myself more." if I'm not being honest with these people about what's going on. So like, how do you find that in your clientele particularly? Like what, how does inconsistency affect empaths in relationship?
2: Inconsistency is so big because, and I love that you, that you mentioned that, um, that again also comes up a lot with, with my clientele is they, it, it, it really is very scary, you know, to have to experience being, with someone who is inconsistent right or experience being um attracting people in their life who who are inconsistent because then again it comes back to they begin to doubt themselves mm-hmm. and they begin to doubt like what they're doing and they start overthinking of like am i doing am i doing everything right like what's happening here why are they ghosting me why are they speaking to me one day and the next day they're they're not talking to me right you know or what's what's with this what's with this um dynamic and they, they could just be, they're back to attachment styles, they could just be avoidant,
3: mm-hmm.
2: you know, and they could just struggle with um, expressing themselves or being in touch with their emotions, which again, is not anyone, anyone's responsibility. We're not being held responsible for how other people act, but understanding that and having knowledge of that is really helpful. hmm And being aware of, well, you know, there's different, there's different attachment styles and everyone is raised differently and people do come from different backgrounds. Um, And this person just, just learned to be on their own Mm -hmm. and the inconsistency, inconsistency stems from either they were hurt in the past, or they just saw that growing up in their parents relationship or their caregivers relationship, um, or they don't know how to express themselves. They don't know how to communicate what they're feeling. Mm -hmm. And maybe they don't want this, or maybe they see something different and they don't know how to say it in a way that's not, um, hurtful.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. So they just avoid it altogether.
2: Yeah, exactly. And I like to say to my clients and just to myself, um, that when people ghost you, whether it's a friend or anyone, um, I see that as a blessing because they're removing themselves from your life Mm -hmm. and maybe they're not meant to be in your life. Mm Mm-hmm. So I, I like to see I like to see it that way sometimes. I'm like it's okay if it happens then, you know, it's not my responsibility to force them or pry why don't you love me. Right. Right. Or ask for their love. You know, it's like it, that should come naturally to for people to express themselves and if not that's okay. You know, no judgment, but I'm I'm not going to fix that. Right. Or be resp- be held responsible for that.
0: We often see that the the ghosting as a perspective from the ghosted yeah but not from the ghoster, and mm-hmm. interestingly enough, um I was talking to a friend yesterday about like, yeah, I need to ghost this motherfucker <laughs> <laughs> as a means of setting a boundary, yeah, from a very toxic relationship and going no contact, yeah, yeah. So, Interestingly enough, like it plays on both sides. Like, yeah, that, yeah, you can be ghosted because someone is a, an avoidant attachment person, or they just like went out and they, they're, they, they right. don't know how to express. They're not communicator. They yeah. But then there's the other side of it where people have necessity or need, particularly in paths who feel like, okay, even doesn't matter what I say, I can't get through to this person about how toxic this relationship is. Right. I need to no contact, and I need to like right. move this person to take them out of my life. Yeah.
2: Yeah, totally. And, and the no contact rule is, is um, pretty, it, it's a pretty big boundary for empaths when, they, when they're dating someone who is more narcissistic.
0: Why is that so hard for us to do?
2: Oh, <laughs> girl. <laughs> um, I think it comes down to we, we feel like if we go no contact, first of all, I think we feel like we're hurting the other person. Mm-hmm. And again, we're like, I don't want to hurt them. I don't want them to feel like I'm not there for them. And it comes down again to the, to the idea of, um, I'm not going to be needed anymore. So it's a, it's a, it's double-sided, I believe. And that's why it hurts so much because mm. it's not only about them, but it's also about us. It's also about, Oh, but I'm, I'm an asshole for doing that. And I'm not going to be loved. And this person's going to completely, totally hate me. And I'm never There's never going to be a chance here if I go no contact.
0: So is it possible that empaths also have supply the way narcissists do? Yes, I do believe that. It <laughs> just came to me. I've never, ever thought about it. I that. do believe I that. that yeah. My guide that says like, it's a part of supply.
2: Yeah. Yeah. In a different way. Absolutely. And I never, I actually never saw it in that perspective either. But Dude, you're right. You're
0: about, like we're going to break some barriers today.
2: Yeah. Wait, I was like, wait a second. You're right. <laughs> That's true. Because yeah. we always put the empath in such a, in such a light, the you scene. know, <laughs> Yes, yeah, like the saint, the angel, and like the yeah. the narcissist is the devil, and it's like that's not the case though. You know, that's not it's it's neutral, and again, no judgment to, towards yeah. anyone. But yeah, it's it's um it's interesting to see it in that form because it's like yeah, it you know like they also have their supply, yeah. right? They also have their way of being manipulative. You know, we're yeah. all we're I like to like the thing is I saw a post the other day. It said um we're, we we we're all toxic in one way or another. Yeah. And we've all been toxic and absolutely we all hurt people and we all do things and it doesn't matter um how conscious you are and how spiritual you are we still hurt people Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) it doesn't matter how aware we are it's just you know it's on a different level of we can we can um understand why we're hurting people and we can be more conscious of okay i'm not gonna do this anymore i'm gonna learn to do it differently i'm gonna learn to communicate or or step in differently but at the end of the day, we're, we're still human and right. nobody's perfect. And no matter how spiritual you are, or no matter if you're like a relationship coach or a life coach or a career coach, it doesn't mean you have it all together and it yeah. doesn't mean you're perfect. It just means that you're willing to grow and be conscious about the decisions that you make.
0: Yeah. It's still survival of the fittest. Yeah. Like yeah. still evolutionarily like... <laughs> Of trying yeah. to figure out how what's going to best serve our needs to yeah. keep us from suffering, yeah. And for the empath specifically, um, you know, a lot of us like because we anticipate the needs of others, and yeah. love is a very, very high need for empaths, um, Yeah, it's a need for everybody, but some people are, you know, for instance, narcissists. Anybody who has a you know like narcissistic mm-hmm. uh, personality disorder, yeah. Um, the way that they explain it or express it is that they don't have any empathy. So they can't anticipate the feelings of others and they can't, they don't focus on others. They are still. And like, they have to love themselves because they can't Mm. anticipate the the love from other people. So they need to find a way to make sure that that is supported that they, they, but the, the misconception is is that narcissists love themselves so much when in fact. opposite they hate the so much yeah they need the supply from other people adoration and Mm -hmm. uh, supply of some sort you know even like the degradation of others to put themselves above so they can feel better about themselves but yes on the other hand will denigrate themselves and deplete themselves for the same thing yep yes exactly it's it comes down to the same thing feel like it's the the, gosh the hierarchy of needs
2: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And it comes down to the same thing. Absolutely. And these are all masks that we put on because Mm -hmm. like you said, the narcissists hate, they hate themselves so much that they they look for that supply elsewhere. And this grandiose idea that they have about themselves is simply a mask.
0: Mm -hmm. That's all it is. Empaths wear the same one. (laughs) Exactly. In a different form, but they do. (laughs) This is kind of breaking my mind right now because like, I do see that um, in myself even, you know, like I can try to, very self-aware around those issues and saying like okay you know I obviously I don't know everything and that's why I interview people because I want to know more about what other people know but yeah exactly there is this idea like especially on uh, social media that narcissists are the evil ones and empaths are the victims yeah yeah in ways I can see where that plays out in a um in a archetypal type of way, right? We mm-hmm. always have this duality and dualisticness of when it comes to, um, you know, like Republican or Democrat, oh my, oh my God, yeah, or religious or spiritual, you know. So there's always yes. this duality, empath versus narcissist, and labels <laughs> that yeah. we put on ourselves, yeah. Yes, but when we're talking about spirit, I love that you said earlier that everything is neutral. Yeah, everything's neutral. Right. And our, our bids for attention, our bids for affection, our bids for love mm. is a means of the ways in which we are able to survive.
3: Mm-hmm. And
0: so our attachment styles, you know, for anxious attachment, it's because we've had that inconsistency of feeling like love is going to be taken away from us. And as a survival mechanism, we become anxious and try to find all the details and ways in which we can reacquire that love. So we're not left suffering. Or we're yes. less about it in ways that make us feel like we're going to die. Like you said earlier, I'm going to yes. die without this relationship, Yeah. Which is not true, but in our, I guess it mind- feels that way, it feels that way. Or in our neurology, it feels that way that we're going to lose that thing. So what that you- we're never going to find anything else. That's right. the
2: narrative that we have. Yeah,
0: exactly. Which is really dramatic y'all. Like, yeah. and I'm talking to myself because I've it had, this, I'm, like, I'm never going to find anyone. Nothing's going like, to This is the only person. <laughs> right. And it's like, you're just so hyper fixated on that because you're in survival mode. Yeah. So and you're giving into a narrative too. So yeah, exactly. exactly. So how does one step out of their narrative and out of that survival mode in order to come into a conscious place again when evaluating their relationships? So I think challenging ourselves when the thought comes up.
2: And by that, I don't mean pushing away the thought or not uh, acknowledging it, but I think it's processing and understanding that you are feeling that and the emotion is totally valid. Um, But moving forward with that is knowing, okay, well, this isn't true. You know, what I feel is valid, but it's not necessarily true. It's not necessarily real. It's not actually going to happen. Like I have to, again, you have to create that relationship with your intuition, with your self-trust in order to know like what's real and what's not what feels real and what feels like it's just this big thing in our heads or in our, in, our, in our bodies because of the attachment style that we have or the narrative that we've created, the self-fulfilling prophecy, you know, of like, oh, this, this I knew this was going to happen. This is the evidence of me not being good enough or me not being, you know, um, not being able to attract someone better or someone uh, better suited for me. Right. So I think that one thing that I love to do is um, I love journaling. Mm-hmm. And I love writing because it's like a brain dump for me. And it's, it also helps me see things so it's not so crowded in my head and mm-hmm. in my body. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I journal, I, can, I really do feel like my spirit guides are writing for me.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And it just comes out, you know, and it comes out. And, it, and, I, and then I start putting pieces together of like, this is, this is simply a story. And yeah. this is simply something that I know I have to work on. And I know that, you know, I'm, I'm keeping that story up. It's kind of like what I said before of, and I love that you pointed it out. It's like, obviously I'm anxious. Mm-hmm. That's a story, mm-hmm. you know, like that's a narrative that I'm, that I'm telling myself about. And in that moment, if I could catch that and be like, oh, wait, that's not, that's not necessarily true. <laughs> you know, that's just me feeding into um, the story that I've always fed into the story that makes me feel comfortable right because at the end of the day that is comfort we're afraid of stepping out of, our, of that story because we don't know what else is out there right. right and there's so much fear of the unknown there's so much fear of i don't i don't know you know where to head from this point this is the only thing i know and i'd much rather be uh miserable and comfortable mm-hmm. <laughs> than uncomfortable and not knowing what the where the hell i'm heading
0: choosing the devil so, you know versus the devil you don't
2: yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah exactly so what I love to do is just kind of like journal it out and and kind of f- put the pieces together I love figuring it out and putting the pieces together of what what is real and what's not You're and what do I need to let go of
0: self-awareness people becoming more self-aware and looking at their behaviors and their actions and seeing how it's yeah and yeah
2: so, exactly self-awareness so- and, and learning to trust yourself
0: yeah. Trusting yourself. Big one. Yeah. Big one. Huge. <laughs> Particularly yeah. when it comes to intuition because we're like that trust. We don't even have time to get into that, but like that trusting yourself and looking mm-hmm. into uh, like, how does this fit in my body? How does this feel? Uh, mm-hmm. You know, this guy doesn't text back, but he's watching all my stories. He's not your soulmate girl. Like there, <laughs> there's so many things that we rationalize yeah. because we're afraid that we're in that lack mentality that something else better won't come along. So we try to, get yeah. this behavior, yeah. but it's, you are, if you're an empath, you already can anticipate those feelings mm-hmm. and look into how it, how, it, how it resonates in your body. So pay attention to that. Use your gift. Use right. your gift to be able to access that part of yourself. So yeah. Yasmin, um, lasting impression. You want to say something, the last thing you want to say to our audience that would be very important for the collective to hear today?
2: <sighs> yeah, I'm going to take a deep breath on that one. Yeah yeah so I just feel like first of all, I want to say thank you guys for listening and for being here with us today um, I just want to say you know i think I think at the end of the day out of, out of all this whole talk that we just had i I think it all comes down to really being in tune with with yourself and stepping into that power that you know you have and that we all have and that we all possess um and then being able to really really trust in that power enough that you are always supported Mm -hmm. and no matter what decision you decide to make no matter where you are in your life right now whether um you're figuring out something in your career in your relationship in a a friendship um, you are always supported
0: Mm -hmm. beautiful uh, Yasmin, before we go over to Patreon, cause we have, I have another question I want to ask you. Mm. Uh, there was an interview you were on that the girl had said something about, you can't be with someone o- that brings only the worst out in you. Yeah. I want to talk about that, but we're going to talk about that over on Patreon. Um, I love it. We go, can you tell everybody where to find you? Absolutely. So you guys can find me
2: on my personal Instagram. It's at Yasmin Elsmore, And my other coaching Instagram is at the Yasmin Olzmor. Um, and you could just, you guys could feel free to DM me, um, ask any questions. I'm here for you.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. And guys, um, I, I really liked this episode cause we did really get deep into relationships and kind of touched on loads of stuff. <laughs> we did. I didn't
2: even real I didn't even <laughs> expect that it's all over the place today, right?
0: <laughs> um, when I'm talking in your relationships and looking for your relationships, when it comes to re- rejection, manifestation, trusting other yeah. people, and then looking at the, the the toggle between giving too much and setting mm-hmm. good boundaries, mm-hmm. um, I, I hope that we gave you a really good, essentially, crash course on, <laughs> on relationships with the book especially for people who are empathic, who are very highly sensitive to those energies and in relationships. So thank you guys so much for listening. If you like this episode, please share this with someone you love and don't forget to rate and and subscribe to the podcast. You never miss an episode. We will see you in the next one. Bye. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Please share it with someone you love. And if you're interested in becoming a client for energy coaching or card readings, buy me at the to read more about what I do and to book your own session. And don't forget to add me on the lovely Leah on Instagram for daily content and inspiration and hang out with me on Patreon. As always, thank you for listening.